0: Hi, folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is September the 11th, 2019. This is episode 2507 of the Survival Podcast, and I'm bringing on uh, a good friend, a uh, multi-time guest, but it's been a long time since he's been on, Vin Armani. Vin was a guy that, like, when I first met the guy, basically, somebody working with him when he had a podcast for about a year reached out to me and asked me if I'd be on his show, and I was like, his name sounds like a fashion designer or something, I think I've heard of him, and then I found out he was like a guy that was a reality TV star on a Showtime series called Gigolos, and I was like... What have I gotten myself into by saying yes to this? But when I looked into what he was doing, and then as we struck up a friendship, he's like one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. He is uh, a guy that I would consider a crypto savage brother. Uh, Even though he coined the term, I will happily uh, adopt that term to myself, crypto savage. Uh, Just an absolute partner. In the world of liberty, now a strong supporter of the Free State Project, which you guys know I have supported for over a decade. Vin actually went a step further and moved there last year after being to New Hampshire one time for one event with Free State. Moved up there, um, and he is just one of the best advocates we could have in the world of liberty that there is. Um, one of the few people I know with a background that is like is crazy, ridiculously diverse with all of the diversity not being related to each other as mine, a modern day Renaissance man and uh, a great friend and I will have him on with you guys in just a minute to talk about coin text, Bitcoin cash, simple ledger protocol. If those words sound over your head don 't worry even as a way of bringing stuff down to make it easy to understand, and it is simple ledger protocol. We're also going to talk about coin spice and spice token and how those are not exactly the same thing. Uh, cryptocurrency in general some good bad and ugly with crypto where things are going and why crypto really is a force for liberty in the world. All that and more in just a minute before we do let's hear from our two sponsors of the day sponsor today number one today is Safecastle Royal. Um, Safecastle Royal is who I call the original survival podcast sponsor because when there was no sponsors, in fact, before I was ready to have sponsors, Vic Rontal and Safecastle reached out and said, We want to sponsor the show. So early that I said, Well, I have like 200 people listening to the show, and I don't think I can give you a return on your investment. Um, I'll probably be ready to do this in about six months. Can I get back with you? And he said, Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll still be ready to go. And that started a relationship with Safecastle built on an intrinsic trust. And Safecastle is basically everything you could ever need for your prepping from the practical to the tactical and everything in between, and they give away their discount membership, which is $29 a year. They sell it all the time for that price. You can get it for free for life. So you can't even buy it anymore. It used to be 50 bucks for life. They changed it to $29 a year, and they still continue to give it away free for life to members of this audience. So check them out today, safecastle.com. Next up today... Um, another sponsor has been around almost as long as there's been sponsors probably the second or third guy to step up and sponsor the show Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason Um, you can get Berkey water filtration systems from lots of sources but Jeff is, is one of the biggest dealers of Berkey systems and products in the country he's also a maniac with customer service he really takes care of people and why would you get your Berkey or your filters for your Berkey or any Berkey product from anybody but the original Berkey guy who has supported this show now for a decade Check him out at his website, Directive21.com. That brings us to introducing, again, our special guest, Vin Armani, philosopher, serial tech entrepreneur, crypto savage, founder and chief technology officer of Cointext, which is an SMS-based cryptocurrency wallet available in over 40 countries. In addition to being a software developer, author, and speaker, he has made his living as a television star a film producer, an art gallerist, a pirate radio station operator, a DJ, a motorcycle courier, and he's even studied philosophy at Howard University. Told you the guy had a diverse and somewhat unrelated background. Also a good friend and a true brother in the liberty movement. My good pleasure now to welcome back to the show Vin Armani. Hey, Vin, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me back, Jack. It's been a while. It's been it a has while. been a while. I was saying that during our intro segment that like when I found you, I found like my long lost crypto brother. My yes. crypto savage brother. I didn't even <laughs> know crypto savage was a thing yet. I didn't know that's what I was. You came <laughs> up with the term and I'm like, that's it. That's what we all are. <laughs> um, and I've had you on a bunch of times, been on your show back when you were doing your, your your podcast that you were doing a few years ago, met you up in New Hampshire, I mean, had you to my place. Audience knows you well, but a lot of people are like, "Who the hell is a Vin Armani? Does he design clothes or what?" <laughs> so, kind of tell people like, "Who, who is Vin?" And, and d- instead of going into the cryptocurrency stuff that we're going to talk about, really what brought you to crypto and a lot of other things, I think, was liberty. Yes. What, what drew you into the liberty movement, and where did that? Where did you come from with that?
1: My background is it's heavily in technology. But I would say that, that my mentality is really like a hacker mentality but writ large, which I think mm-hmm. that you and a lot of your audience can identify with. So I'm a really like – I've always been a systems-oriented person. I love puzzles. I love problem solving. And I really look at the world as like this giant puzzle. And that's, that's often put me at odds since a very young age with authority. Uh, when I would see, when I would see problems not being solved and I would see easy solutions and yet that there was, uh, you know, something preventing and it was usually some sort of unearned authority preventing that, I, you know, sort of bucked against that from a very young age. And, uh, you know, I'm, I am not against, uh, authority naturally when it comes from competence. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who I love to learn and I love to learn from people who have actually earned, the, the right to be an authority, right? I love that. And I love to be around people who are competent people. And so I think I was just naturally always, uh, uh, a bit of an iconoclast in that way and uh, attracted to subcultures and countercultures that had interesting solutions to problems that sort of plagued everyone. And, uh, in, you know, in, in that, in that vein, my father, uh, is a tech entrepreneur, and I kind of followed in his footsteps in a way, going through entertainment, um, and then uh, sort of the the bridge of entertainment and technology. And then I guess it's been about ten years that I've been exploring liberty in many different ways. And I think that pretty much culminated with I I was on a TV show for many years, and then afterwards. Uh, it culminated with me doing this, this podcast and sort of live broadcast show that I started in 2015, late 2015, which is how we met. Uh, and it was, it was in doing that, I had, I was already, I, I guess I would consider myself an anarchist, uh, voluntarist, uh, but definitely libertarian. And it was in the course of doing that that I met so many interesting people and was introduced to so many new ideas and, and then also, some ideas really were fleshed out for me, like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, which is something that I've been involved in since 2012 that I was like, you know what? This is really, this is what I want to dedicate my life to. And so, uh, in addition to, uh, you know, doing the show, writing books, uh, I then founded a company called Cointex. Uh, it's a Bitcoin, uh, SMS based Bitcoin wallet and, then that obviously embedded myself much more into into the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency scene. Just because in all of my travels, again, being like a problem solver and a systems-oriented thinker, I'm looking for the solution, man. I'm not looking to get out in the streets with a placard. I'm not looking to complain. I'm looking like, what's the problem? How can we solve this? Let's find the people and let's just solve it. And for me, that's that's been highly represented In terms of Bitcoin, in terms of cryptocurrency, it's the thing that I know that I can do best. I don't have a green thumb. Um, you know, I, I, this is the thing that I can do. There are many pieces of all of this. And I think crypto savagery, there's a lot of pieces of this. There's a lot of people hacking this new culture and society that we're going to be able to move into. But for me, you know, software is the place. And so that's, you know, so that's what I've been doing. So that's what I devote myself. Pretty much full time to now, Um, you know, moved out to New Hampshire uh, and uh, to be part of the Free State Project. And now, you know, in, in the meantime, had some kids. And so now as a father, this is my, you know, this is sort of the path that I'm on.
0: Awesome, man. So, hey, before we move into talking about Cointext and uh, Simple Ledger Protocol and the stuff I want to have you on today, I just wanted to point something out about today. Of course, everybody knows today is 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that because I try to talk about the things nobody talks about, and that's what everybody's going to talk about today. <laughs> but I know you're kind of you know a programmer. You pay with numbers. You know what this week is. This week is palindrome week.
1: Oh yes, I saw that. It goes for ten that. days, yeah. so today
0: is nine eleven nineteen, which in backwards is nine eleven nineteen, and that's all week.
1: Right. And, uh,
0: <laughs> I'm not going to be very productive this week. I get fascinated with numbers <laughs> like that, but I just kind of wanted to point that out because I know you are. If if you deal with code, you, yes. you deal with numeric patterns. Absolutely. And that brings us to numbers, right? So you founded Cointext. You first showed me this, I guess, about a year and a half, a little more ago, when you were in New Hampshire for um, one of the Liberty Forms. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because you're like, do you want some Bitcoin Cash? I'm like, sure. You're like, here. And you just texted me money. And I didn't do anything. And like a dollar showed up. Right. So explain exactly what Cointext is and why you created it in the first place. So at its
1: core, for those people who have used cryptocurrency wallets, Bitcoin wallets, whatever, it's a it's, it's a wallet. You can send, receive, check your balance, um, get your address. You can send to addresses just like any other wallet. But what's different about it is that as far as I know, it is the only existing cryptocurrency wallet where the person that you're sending it to doesn't have to have ever downloaded a wallet. To be able to receive it and then to spend it. Uh, so you can sort of push money to them. Uh, and also, you don't need an internet connection and you don't even need a smartphone. So there, are, we're in 42 countries. Uh, we support Bitcoin Cash in 42 countries. We support so other cryptocurrencies like VTC, uh, Dash, Litecoin, Ravencoin. We support those in the US and Canada. But anybody with a number, a phone number, and even just a feature phone, if they can do SMS, you can send them funds and then basically using the commands, it's kind of like a little a little bit of a bot, a little AI bot, where you can, for instance, text back to it, balance, and it'll respond to you with your balance. You can say receive and it'll respond to you with what your cryptocurrency address is. And then you can do things like send $1, you just tell it send $1 and then I give your phone number and it'll mm-hmm. magically appear on your phone. And you know we we did this wanting to create a solution and to to show people that this is beyond an internet thing which it really is bitcoin is beyond the internet protocol and that you know we can start leveraging all these other cool things so i i do think that it's it came at a time when people were starting to to rethink about the things that bitcoin could be uh, there was a similar movement around 20 fourteen ish 2013 2014 and that kind of gave birth to things like uh, obviously the the one that everybody knows about is ethereum so there have been a lot of people who who are thinking about things that Bitcoin could additionally be and I think we're coming into another one of those one of those points so this was so yeah we're going on almost two years now with cointext
0: so now one of the things people really like about cryptocurrency is various levels of privacy mm-hmm. and if you use Bitcoin it can be almost completely anonymous, or if that address is associated with you it can be really obvious. It depends mm-hmm. on what people know to look for. Does using the phone number make it really, really obvious about who's in, who's involved in transactions, or is like the phone number just a medium that you would really have to dig into to even be able to like track down transactions?
1: That's a good question. so um, much like any other Bitcoin transaction. If you, um, send to somebody, if you know their phone number and you send to them, this is all done on chain. So these are non-custodial wallets. Um, you can just, you can actually type in private key and get your private key back and then you can sweep that into another wallet, use it however you want to use it. Uh, we don't store any information about users. Uh, we don't have to store any information about users. We don't hold your coins. We don't store any private keys so there's no honeypot that someone could go and find like with an exchange we actually have a a proprietary algorithm that that basically transforms your phone number on the fly into a key pair a private key pair and a public key pair and address so if you know um if you know the person's phone number that you're uh Sending the money to you can then and you obviously you know your own address so you can go and look that up on the blockchain and you can see the the address that you've sent it to and you now know that it's associated with their phone number. However, however, if I'm just looking at a transaction and I don't know your phone number, I can't go in reverse from your address and get your phone number. Just like I can't go, just like I can't go in reverse from your address and get your private key. I got so. So this is kind of an additional step. So you could say that your phone number becomes the private key for your private key. It becomes your seed, like your numerical, uh, your 12-word phrase that's yeah. in a backup phrase in a wallet. Imagine instead of the 12-word phrase, what we're using is a phone number. And the cool thing about phone numbers is that they are um, – generally what you would want is you'd want a high degree of randomness. So it's called entropy. So you want to create a really big random number. … that you're going to use as the seed that's going to then create all of your addresses in your wallet. So that's really actually what your 12-word phrase is. Okay. It's it's a representation of a really big random number. Sure. So instead of that, what, we, what we're able to do is because phone numbers are themselves unique, they're made unique by the telephone system. So if I text you, uh, no one else's number is going to show up. And if you text to somebody, it's going to be your number… So we're able to actually have our own little algorithm that sits in between. And then instead of a random number, cause what you're doing with the random number is you don't want what's called a collision. So you don't want me to, if we just had random numbers and it was one through, through a million, well, we're going to have two people, maybe I get your number sure. randomly, right? And yeah. then I can spend, I can, sp- I put that in my wallet and all of a sudden, whoa, there's Jack's wallet appears on my wallet, right?
0: Damn it, Vin, leave my money alone. <laughs> so <laughs> so
1: so uh what what we're able to do is we know that there's not going to be any other phone number that comes in except that's yours. Yeah. And then what we what we do is an additional step because we work with with tier 1 providers, but what we do is an additional step is we just just in the off chance that this Particular telephone system, like for instance, we're in Bangladesh, right? So it's like you gotta think. Well, just in case their their telephone system is a little janky, we also require that if anybody sends funds, that they have to do a, uh, an additional confirmation to do that. Hmm. So so somebody can't just that that means that we know that not only are you sending, but you can also receive at that number. So uh, so yeah, so it's it's very secure. Like I say, we've been up for for two years. We've we're in forty two countries and there's not been a single uh, you know a single transaction that's been lost in lost. the process lost. so uh, so yeah it's a, it, it's turned out to be quite a, a secure and useful system that we've put together
0: so essentially it's in an, an address and pri- a public address private key so essentially it's like a it's kind of like it's a paper wallet enabled it, exactly by, enabled yes. by the text so it doesn't really matter like if you if you know what those two numbers are. You can move that into, like, uh, Ledger Nano. You can move it into, sure. like, Jack's Liberty. You can do anything you want with it. It's yeah. just enabling the transaction, and then it kind of goes away. I guess the only place that it could be, if Ira Ramon Sancia came after you. You know who Ira Ramon Sancia is, right? No, who is this? Uh, it's the biggest mobster in the world. It's initials like IRS. Oh, yes, there right. You go. So <laughs> if Ira came after you and somehow got court ordered to seize your phone records, then maybe uh, they can find some info,
1: right? Well, they could they could find info perhaps of your texts yeah
0: um,
1: but they could not they would not necessarily know your address they okay. would still probably have to do some uh, well unless the text that came back was like receive yeah. so what so what we say with people with this one is uh, we we really call it two things it's a casual spending wallet mm-hmm. and it's also an adoption engine yep. so what's what's really cool about this is you know I I have multiple wallets, and obviously, I build wallets. Sure. On my CoinTex wallet, I'll usually only keep about twenty bucks at a time. It's for going to Starbucks. Yeah, it's yeah little little purchases, and, and but also to like I run across somebody and we talk about Bitcoin, and they're like, oh, how can I get some Bitcoin, right? But people have had this experience, I'm yeah. sure, if they're involved in Bitcoin, and it's like, oh hey, what's your phone number here? Boom, Here's and it's much yeah, it's much better than you know giving somebody the whole. um you know the whole situation where it's like, oh, go download this wallet, do this, do that, do this. Save your and private
0: key. Go to an exactly, exchange.
1: Exactly. Be told
0: you can't use your credit card. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and what's what's kind
1: of cool is that so we've got a payment processor, AnyPay, and they're they're around, but they're very popular in New Hampshire. And you can actually use uh we we have it integrated where if you're at a point of sale system for them, a little five digit code pops up with the Cointex logo, and if you just send that five-digit code into Cointext, you can actually pay your bill right there, and it is instant and really, really cool.
0: So that's so it, if a, a merchant is set up to do that.
1: Yes, yes, okay. and any AnyPay, AnyPay is a, it's a free point-of-sale system that anybody can use. It's non-custodial. So, yeah, AnyPay.global, if your audience wants to check it out, I really recommend it. It takes, I think they're up, up to about a dozen different cryptocurrencies, so all the major ones and some cool minor ones like RavenCoin as well.
0: I'm gonna to have to check that out and add that for a Very m- cool. payment method for my membership because why why wouldn't I? That that's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, if you if you had some money in your Cointex wallet basically, associated with your number, and you were at a merchant that took Bitcoin Cash, for instance, yes. but they weren't using any payer, they they weren't using CoinTex. So they didn't want to do it do you basically have to use a different wallet to be able to like just send to their address or can you use your phone with coin to send to a standard Bitcoin cash address?
1: You can use it to send to a standard Bitcoin cash address, but it gets a little – that's where it gets a little hinky, right? Like technically I guess you could have a separate barcode reader and you could copy and paste the address that you scanned off of the QR code and then you could just paste that into your SMS. Yeah. But but really faster than that is using a wallet that will do like zero confirmation. So we're talking something like the Bitcoin.com wallet. Yeah. And so you could just literally while you were standing in line – Go to the Bitcoin.com wallet, get your receive address, and then in CoinText you can type send all and then paste in the address and instantly it'll send it all into your Bitcoin.com wallet, which then you can immediately use to pay. Got so you. like we're talking about like a you know 30 second process right there.
0: Yeah, by the time by the time uh Venetia is done making your cappuccino, it's exactly. it's ready to pay. Okay, exactly. cool. Cool. Or you could use it as an opportunity to say as a small merchant, hey, look. What's your phone number? I'll just send it to you, right?
1: Sure, and that, yeah. that's something that I've done before, and I certainly do it at uh, at events like Pork Fest, and it's and it's pretty easy, and people enjoy people enjoy it; it's, they they really get a kick out of it.
0: Awesome, man. So, this brings me to the next question. This is something I really heard about you because I pay attention to the crypto space from a standpoint of what I think certain cryptos are going to do, the ones I think you shouldn't buy because they're going to die. I don't get into deep into the technology like you do. So when I first heard you start talking about SLP, Mm. which was and I had to to look it up. Okay, what the hell? Oh, simple ledger protocol. I kind of get what that does, but can you explain what that is and why it even matters? Should even matter to people?
1: Sure, sure. So I, I guess to to go into this so that people have some sort of an idea of of why this exists or why it's important. There's been a movement to expand Bitcoin beyond what's what we would call like the base token, what people would call bitcoins actually for quite a long time. And so, like, as I was saying earlier, there was this movement in 2014. There was this this series of projects or products, as as you might want to call them. And some people may have heard of these that they've been in for a while. But there was one called counterparty, which is basically a tokenization idea. Um, Then then you had colored coins, this idea colored coins. Um Ripple came out of this and uh let, let's see what else was what else was in there that, that people may know. Um well this was when Vitalik Buterin, who was the founder of Ethereum, started really exploring this idea of how could we do tokenization. And there were some things that were sort of missing from out of Bitcoin, some changes that needed to be made to really make it better. And this guy, I mean, this d- dude's a boy genius, right? He basically wrote the the code base for Ethereum when he was like 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. He had already been working in Bitcoin for years at that point and was a well-respected developer. As a matter of fact, some of his code is was some of the foundational code. His Bitcoin code was some of the foundational code that's in Cointex, as a matter of fact. Wow. So people have wanted to do tokens for a long time. And th- this idea that, well, it's a, it's a Decentralized immutable ledger. It seems a little bit of a shame that we're not using it to kind of store other things. And this is where this idea, this greater blockchain idea came from. And so this is, a, this was a really big in about 2014. They, people called it kind of Bitcoin 2.0. That was a name that was going around. And the, the, the sort of core developer group, like literally Bitcoin core, they they rejected a lot of this. This was not what they wanted to do. Um, Omni protocol was one that sort of made it through. People know Omni if they know Tether. The initial Tether was all on this Omni protocol. So Tether is actually a token on Bitcoin, or at least now it's moved to Ethereum a lot of it. But initially it was a, a an additional token on Bitcoin. And SLP token is the – Bitcoin is a, a new protocol for doing – These similar things, similar to counterparty, similar to colored coins, uh, similar to the things that Vitalik wanted to do. In practice, it's a lot closer to the Ethereum ERC-20 token. So most people know these. These are the Ethereum tokens that most people who participated in ICOs. This is the ERC-20 is the standard. So, I mean, there's so many different tokens, right? Thousands of them, uh, including things like Tether, which have now been moved on to ERC-20, uh which means that they're on ethereum uh there have been many of them and this was this this has really turned out to be the killer app of ethereum. This is the thing that m- ethereum is mostly used for is this these e r c twenty tokens and the e t h the eth the base token is really more used as gas more than anything uh i guess people have there there has been some moves to kind of use it as money in the same way as bitcoin, but it's never really caught on mm-hmm. because the killer app is these smart contracts. And it's not these advanced smart contracts. It's these additional tokens, right? Oh, I want to go out and make Jack coin and have a ICO. Uh, this, this has been the, the, the crux of, of what has made Ethereum valuable. And so the best way to explain an SLP token is called simple, simple ledger protocol. It's basically using the upgraded functions that have been upgraded in Bitcoin Cash over the past two years to facilitate things like this. Uh, To basically have the the equivalent of an ERC-20 token, only much, much simpler and secured by Bitcoin's proof of work. So all of these token outputs can actually do all the things that a Bitcoin output can do, which is a lot and which on Bitcoin cash is even more. Uh, So it can do a lot of the things that Vitalik needed to leave Bitcoin and build Ethereum to do, things like spending constraints, you know, don't... uh, don't allow this to be spent within the next year, you know, only allow it after that point. And then only to this address Uh, or only if there's an additional signature coming from uh, someone external like an oracle. All of these things are allowed. And so uh, there's already a stable coin called Honest Coin, which is a one-to-one backed coin. And there's a very interesting SLP token called SPICE, which started out as kind of just like a fun online tipping thing. These are very easy tokens to create, much easier than the Ethereum ERC20. And within I don't know, within a few months, this Spice token gained actually a price, and so now it's about a thousand coins, a thousand Spice tokens per dollar. It's traded on CoinEx and a few other uh, exchanges, and so there were people out there who were just getting tipped a lot you know, for their YouTube videos or whatnot, who turned around and, whoa, I've got a few thousand dollars of this token that I thought was just for fun. And so it's it. I think it's just the first of many to organically go ahead and get a market price. And that's that's really, I think, a a huge value add for for Bitcoin cash, because there hasn't been there really hasn't been anything like that. Uh, yet to come out on, on a Bitcoin network. It has on Ethereum, but not on Bitcoin.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit, because mostly what I've seen done on Ethereum, I've seen some smart contracts done for some purposes other than what I'm about to say, but most of it has been, I want to start Joe Blow's you know, widget company, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to make a token because I can get money that way. Mm-hmm. And so they use the ERC-20 and they make you know, Joe Blow token, and they, you know, go out of their way to try to get it on exchanges or whatever. But basically, they're going to make a, a, a cash drop on an ICO. Mm-hmm. Very different from what you did. You didn't go out and make Armani token, right? You're like no. Bitcoin Cash. You believe that's probably one of the best cryptos on the market for functionality. So you're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to build this app and I'm going to use Bitcoin Cash because it already works. Right. SLP seems to be used in some ways more. Like, yeah, we have this. I want to talk about the Spice Coin here in a second or Spice mm-hmm. Token. And, but also seems to be used a lot more for what everybody kind of thought Ethereum was going to be, that like the token itself is just some means by which we control the flow of Bitcoin cash rather than a way to try to print money. Mm-hmm. And then the coins coming from it seem, like you said, to be a lot more organic instead of, uh, we're going to make a cryptocurrency for electrical providers. Like, right. Oh, well, do they need one? Right? Like, right? like, why? Right. Well, you're, but it's a big market. Yeah. So, like, whatever. Are you going to make booties for them, too? Like, the, the spice thing seemed to come out of, like, this just like, hey, let's just do this because it'd be fun. Yes. And then the market created value for it, which yes. I believe all monetary instruments really derive all their value from the market. But it wasn't some sort of pseudo value, some sort of sales value. It was a utility value. So, is that kind of the right way to look at this?
1: well yeah you know somebody could use the slp token for to do the whole ico thing but i think it's some of it is just a timing situation that these erc20 tokens popped up obviously the sort of get rich quick idea is contagious and uh, you know you had all of these icos 99.9% of them scams yep you know there there've been quite and even if they weren't scams they were
0: because because I think they were doomed to be, fail out of the gate. Yes, even if they exactly. got, even if the person doing it yes. uh, and their partners practiced enough intellectual masturbation to believe their own bullshit, it still wasn't yes. going to happen.
1: Right, and <laughs> this is this is something that we saw in the tech boom as well. I mean, I was a part of that, uh, you know, in the late <laughs> '90s too, uh, and yeah, we said there was a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, guys there was like a you and I that it.
0: were there for a dot com. Do, do yes. you you start to look at it and go boy this looks familiar
1: <laughs> yes exactly exactly so so that is to say that i think that this is a normal part of the business cycle with a new technology and you and you learn and i think that that overall the space has learned and there's also a uh within the space itself um, amongst developers and whatnot, there's, you know, the word ICO is really, it's a dirty word. And, um, people do not really support that. And, and Bitcoiners in particular, right? Because that was one of the things that it was, it was sort of a, a, a shot from the Bitcoin community against Ethereum that, oh, it's nothing but for these scams and all of this. So culturally, I, I think people are not predisposed to go and do that same sort of thing, although you could. But one of the I think, you know, the applications that have come up and one that I just recently worked on with Bitcoin.com dot and, and contributed to is is what I think is actually very interesting. And it's kind of a, a more mature and evolved outlook on how these could potentially still be used in a in a means that was uh, was delivering equity. And this is a SLP dividend uh, Delivery system, basically. So Bitcoin.com, if people want to go and check this out, it's actually really, really cool. Um, or they, there's, I think Roger Veer just did a, a little video about it. Uh, it's called a, uh, SLP dividend calculator and it's actually on tools.bitcoin.com if people want to go and check it out. But what you're able to do, the SLP tokens basically, they're, they're living in the same addresses that Uh, that regular Bitcoin is. And you can and it's a public ledger. So you can see what addresses are containing these things. And so what you're able to do is that you can find a token and you can actually deliver BCH Bitcoin cash to that address. And so what this calculator does is if let's say that you were doing this, you know, Bob's widget business or whatever, and you had 100 tokens and you, you know, gave them on a pro rata basis to the people who were, you know, part owners with you, then if you had some set of funds that in one transaction you could basically disperse it out. So if you have 20% of the tokens, 20% of the funds will drop into your address. If you have 15%, you get 15%, et cetera, et cetera. So this is like a really interesting, totally legit way to do, uh, possibly security tokens in the future, even regulatorily compliant security tokens and deliver dividends. So I, so I think that it's just a much more mature environment. And I think that uh, s- things like that start to get really interesting when you either have, one, people who are going to practice it in a gray market way because it's totally permissionless. Like you don't have to have a registered security to do this. Uh, but also I think to start to enable some of this uh, in, in like legitimate foreign businesses where perhaps the regulations aren't that serious. Sure. Where you could have a global investment and where if they were earning, especially those earning their income in the actual native cryptocurrency like Bitcoin Cash, for instance, if you had an exchange or something like that, that literally you as an investor could be sitting there watching your wallet on an almost minute-to-minute basis just fill up with these dividends because they could be delivered literally on a minute to minute basis. And I think that's when it starts to get really, really interesting. And we start to see the promise of what this thing could really be.
0: So if we took that into like a new form of a Kickstarter and this company Mm -hmm. said, we're going to build this thing. And basically we need money, let's say for licensing fees, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, patent protection or whatever. And we're going to raise it from this pool of investors. And we're going to have this some sort of smart contract type thing that like We don't actually get the money until these things are accomplished or we get it in Mm -hmm. phases over time. And in return, we're going to pay a dividend back. So for every unit that we sell for $200, we're going to return $10 to shareholders. Yes. It's like a license fee rather than a true dividend that we think of from a stock. Yes. That could all be automated and would – like as long as you ran it on the platform you put it out on, trustless.
1: Yes, yeah, and and I think the difference there, and people, some people are probably listening to that, and and they're saying like, wait, but isn't that what the ICOs were doing? And the answer is no, no. no. Well, they were, their no. idea, yeah, <laughs> their idea was we're not going to pay a dividend, but the value of this token is going to increase, so you're basically going to speculate on that token.
0: Yeah, so I mean, th- let me let me a real, lot let make scammy. that for the more typical investor out there that buys stocks in their 401k or whatever. There's two kinds of stocks. You can buy a stock that you only can gain appreciation and you can buy a stock that you gain appreciation in a dividend. So if you own Ford Motor Company and they actually make a profit once a quarter, they pay a dividend based on how many shares you hold. And none of the ICOs did that shit. But That's you right. could do that in a completely automated. So as money is received into this custodial type account. Then it automatically does this other thing, or there's certain like once X is received, Y is paid out evenly across the network of investors.
1: Well, I'll even take or it one owners. step. I'll take it one step further because what's so cool about this is that it's really leveraging the things that, and this was the part that I added uh, and contributed for Bitcoin.com. So if you go and you use this SLP um, uh, dividend calculator tool, what you're actually able to do is Technically, you are able to pay – you would, as the buyer, when you buy with your wallet, when you scan the QR code, it would actually already break your transaction up into the dividends. Mm. So you, as the buyer, will actually pay out to the investors directly, non-custodial. Got you. So this is a complete paradigm shift. The idea because that,
0: Bitcoin Cash can go down at a little minute transactions right. and be instantaneous almost. That's,
1: that's right. That's right. With multiple with multiple simultaneous outputs. So so some people have probably seen this if they deal with exchanges and they've ever looked up the transaction from coming back from their exchange like on a withdrawal yeah. and they see that the exchange has paid out to like two hundred addresses right because sure. they're trying to save on fees so they put them all in one. Well, you can do that straight from out of, like, your mobile wallet. Your mobile wallet can actually do that. Uh, it just hasn't been fully enabled all these years. And so this is what I've been going in in the last year and enabling. It's it's called BIP-70. So it's actually pretty old. It's from 2013 that that this protocol has been there to do that. So it's across the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem it's enabled. And it's going to allow this really cool non-custodial thing. So in the example that you had where it was, like, uh, let's say we take in $100, $20 of that is going to be distributed out. Your wallet, through this process, your wallet will actually do that calculation and break it up all its own. So the business gets to the $80. They never see that other $20. It goes mm-hmm. directly from the customer to the investors, to the holders of the tokens as a dividend. So it truly
0: is trustless because there's no other Absolutely. way. As long That's as right. that means of exchange is used to deliver the product That's or right. service to the to That's user. Right.
1: Yeah. So this is, this is super promising. And this is a complete paradigm shift. And I think when people wrap their heads around how powerful this is, um, we start to get down to things where like, you imagine that doing this, take it away from the investors, but imagine paying an entire supply line. So imagine that Mm -hmm. instead of you selling a retailer your duck eggs, that you give it, you give it to them on consignment. Yeah. And then when the, when I pay for your duck eggs, I pay you for the eggs directly.
0: And the retailer
1: gets theirs, yes. And then you imagine that it's taken even a step further where it's like the guy who supplies your duck feed is also added into that transaction, so I pay him too. And then the person who is giving him gas for his truck to deliver that is also in the transaction. So I end up in one payment paying an entire supply line and you guys are able to give each other all of these on consignment. It starts to get really, really, it's, it's really
0: interesting. interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of got out of the egg business because, well, my wife started bringing these things called grandchildren into our home nonstop. <laughs> uh, but let's say I had built that because I had I could have built that brand fairly sure. significantly, at least in the DFW area. I had way beyond the capacity to serve customers that I had waiting for me. So I could have come up with like a protocol, like if you do this stuff, you can sell under my brand. Right. Well, I could have had all my minions out there selling under the Nine Mile Farm brand yes. and not had to touch anything. That's right. As long as they did business in this protocol, every time they sold a carton of eggs for 8 bucks, I would have got my $0.80, cents, let's
1: say. That's right.
0: Automatically, That's right. no record keeping, no nothing, just happens
1: falls right into your wallet. And so this is something that Andreas Antonopoulos who's a evangelist who's been out there for a long time he wrote uh, understanding bitcoin the O'Reilly book. A lot of people have have read it. He's very popular travels all around the world. He he sort of in a like in a kernel has talked about this concept and he gave it the name streaming money. Mm-hmm. So what's because what it ends up looking like is just you know, an established business, it's just money sh- streaming into your wallet that literally you just have your wallet open as a business owner. And it's just th- the number just go up. Boom, boom, boom. That's the real number go up. And it's just going and going, and you don't have to worry about how anything.
0: Ma- how many, how many, um, pencil pusher type jobs does that eliminate?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah, and in a good
0: way. I mean, that's that's a growing pain of a maturing society. Right. I mean, the jobs are going. I'm not putting that as a negative. The jobs are going anyway. My other thought is like I have been on about the concept of virtual nations. I think the first time I did a Mm -hmm. show on a virtual nation was 2011. And I'm like, somebody is going to get this right. And then there'll be many. And Mm -hmm. this sounds like the type of protocol that's really needed to make – like the people that tried, basically they made a WordPress website you could become a member of by buying their token, right? That is Mm -hmm. not a virtual nation. I'm sorry. You can call it big nation all you want. It was just another money grab. But I do believe that we are – there's, there's two ways to look at the word tribal. There's a very negative way, and if you want to see it, go to Facebook. And then mm-hmm. there's a very positive way, which is voluntary association with people with like ideas and values. Mm-hmm. And that nations and states are different things. I've read your book, so I know you know this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that concept of being able for people to coalesce into swarms almost of leaving and, and, and joining at will yes. based on common values – this does more to make that an event. Like I, I didn't know what was going to do it, but I knew that had to happen. That's just the natural evolution of society and technology, and this seems like a very key component to that type of technology.
1: Yeah, and this is the reason why I'm, I'm betting on uh, Bitcoin Cash specifically is because I feel like this is the only community that really gets it, and also there are certain coins where I, I think that that particular and very interesting – um multiple input multiple output uh transaction structure that satoshi nakamoto came up with is uh is really novel and it it the fact that it allows this i think is 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 key to doing some things particularly you know myself as an agorist like gray marketeer Mm -hmm. free marketeer i've often thought about you know what would this look like if let's say i wanted to start like a little cafe and i wanted to only accept bitcoin cash for my little cafe and let's say there's six people working there and there's a cook and a server whatever there's a guy who busses tables and each one of them is like a percentage you know so maybe the server gets 15% and sure. then then 20% goes to the landlord cuz maybe he doesn't charge us rent maybe he's just agreeing oh just put me on as 20% and i imagine that like people are coming in and they're paying and it's dropping into all these people's uh wallets like from the customer so the customer is paying directly the cook paying directly the landlord and then some uh code enforcement agent comes in and says oh i want to see your business license and it's like well which business like these (laughs) who's the who's the employee like oh well you're employing these people well no i'm not i've never paid them a penny yeah they get paid exactly as i do Uh, she was just paid by this customer here so should the customer have a business license and t- who who exactly <laughs> who's the business i'm i'm trying to understand this yeah yeah, I have So it starts starts to get very interesting. They're not even like independent contractors, right? No. They, not I, even. I, I,
0: I literally have no say on how much they get paid, when they get that's paid, right. how they get paid. That's right. And they contribute to this thing that's kind of like an enterprise that isn't. And if they don't, then it suffers and they get less. And if they do more, they get more. And that's how that works. That's it. I guess. I think. Yeah, and I, I
1: think, right? I put their code paid.
0: in a computer and this happened, and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> You can shut us down if you can figure out how. I I really don't know how I started it, so there good you luck. Go. Yeah. And I think like – so my, people might say like, well, what kind of landlord would do that? Well, look at all these – look at all this urban rehabilitation, suburban oh, sure. rehabilitation, small – and not just urban. Think of like going out into the small towns that are crumbling and decaying. And I've got this building, and you're like, I don't have money for shit right now, dude. But here's how this works – and you might take a thousand people taking a shot at that to get one, but once you can go, hey look, this one's working over here.
1: Mm-hmm. Then you
0: get two, then you get four, that's how that mm-hmm. goes. And like what does the guy have to lose? I'm paying taxes on this rat hole. That's right. Right? Like I I can't get rid of it. I'm that's stuck right. with it and this might work and if it doesn't I just tell you to leave.
1: Well, I will give you an example of somebody who is actually doing it like on a grand scale, and it's it's what's basically revitalized downtown Las Vegas, the Downtown Project, which is was started by Tony Shea, who people may know Zappos.com, which is the big shoe online shoe retailer. They decided that they were going to move their their headquarters down there and move about 2,000 employees down into the old uh, Las Vegas City Hall, and uh, they were purchased by Amazon and. He basically took that money and started buying up property. And what he would do, this is actually pretty brilliant, is um, he'd buy up the property, turn it into this very nice commercial space, and then he went out and he would, would invest in businesses uh, just basically off of like a little one-page business plan. He'd throw in this money and basically give them free rent. And so what he was able to do was he was able to fill all of his commercial property to capacity with these businesses that he had uh funded to a tune of just a little bit, almost like a an incubator. He's from Silicon Valley, so this incubator idea sort of in the real world. So it's it does happen. Uh, it's it's an investment on the owner of the commercial properties part. And uh, you'd rather have a business in there, even if the business was just struggling to get by, so long as they you know kept the spot clean. And uh, you know we're securing it and all of that. you'd rather have the business in there and and making you know a little bit of money than to have it empty and just just sitting there. So yeah it's I mean it's who knows the way that this thing will shake out but let's just say that the protocol is there to be able to do it.
0: So now we talked about spice token yep and there's this thing that confused the hell out of me when I first saw you, saw you tweeting about this and this other thing coin spice. Totally yes. different thing. What the heck is a coin yeah. spice? <laughs> so, <laughs> corn, coin
1: spice is it is weird. I, I think. Um,
0: it's, was that so before, it's, before we go? Was that planned or did it just happen that way?
1: No, it's a, so it's a play on the idea of a spicy meme. Okay. So th- so these guys are big like meme guys. They're big into the like you know Pepe stuff and all of that. So they're big. They're big meme guys, and you know a great meme. Do you mean is, the white like,
0: supremacist frog the green? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, white supremacist <laughs> frog. frog. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so
1: Pepe, Pepe is a super spicy meme, clearly, when yeah. you've got people freaking out on it. So uh, this they, they just both at the a similar time decided they were going to use Spice in the name to uh, identify themselves as sort of these these meme fans. And so CoinSpice is a primarily Bitcoin Cash-focused Um, news outlet, but they're, they're fun and young and, uh, kind of irreverent. And I love their, you know, I love their take on, on the crypto space. It's some of it's kind of a little insider, but it's very fun. And it's very, it's got this whole meme thing. And it was just sort of serendipitous that they popped up and then Spice token was already there. So people tipping other people for memes. Uh, in the Spice Telegram channel and, you know, associated with their people on Twitter, it built on itself. So it was just, it was serendipity, but it turned out in a really cool way.
0: But you're involved with this, right? Like they have a YouTube show. Are you on that sometimes or a regular or like? Yeah. Yeah.
1: They, they, they bring me on sometimes. Okay. I, I mean, I've, I've known those guys and, uh, you know, done interviews with them when they, they all came from other outlets in crypto. And so they know that I'm, you know, that, that I'm, happy to play along with the joke and that I don't take things too seriously and that's important when you're talking about memes right it's meant to be fun and you're meant to you know poke fun at yourself and not take yourself too seriously i think that's the real power of of memes is is the ones that you can share that are also about you where where those are the ones that i think are really powerful where you're like you know what i'm like that i'm like that sometimes too and you know it's kind of funny and I think that that's, what's, that's what really makes great comedy. And these guys are really good at that. So I'm, I'm happy to play along with them.
0: So they're using, like, comedy to actually spread good information, really. That's right. That's that's the, right. Which is what good me like, not all memes, but good memes, that's what they do as well. Yeah. So let's talk about just crypto and the future of the space and – Kind of mankind as a whole. I mean, mm-hmm. it amazes me today that I don't even remember what year it was Bitcoin started, but it's more than a decade now, and yeah. we're still hearing. Yeah. It, every time you post something about it, there's some tar going. It's tulip mania. It's like you mm-hmm. know that lasted two years, right? <laughs> you know, and and like this entire group of industry has been built and empowered by it. Major brands are accepting various cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this whole it's going to collapse and go away thing is going to play out. But what do you think it means if we do it right for society as a whole? And what does it mean to the power structure? Because, yeah, Target accepts Bitcoin. But I think that crypto is more of a threat to the Mm -hmm. corporatocracy and the oligarchy than it is a help.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big question. And it's something that I've thought about a lot. And it's actually kind of the a big portion of a book that I'm writing now, which is my third book. Um, I've been, I've been listening to on audiobook when I, when I do my, my weekend chores and yard work. Uh, I have been listening to a book by an author, Darmaid McCullough, and it's called Christianity, the first 3000 years. And it's a fascinating book. Uh, it goes to a thousand years before Christianity to talk about the roots and then it talks about early Christianity and then all the way up through and it 's a really it 's like the definitive history and it 's there 's so many parallels it it is it 's a because de- it 's very much a decentralized religion right You had the leader who basically died and then it went to the winds and there 's been so many different variants of it, and a new variants come up every day and It's got a lot of similarities to Bitcoin, and I think that we're at such an early phase that it's hard to really know. Like, I think that if you would have asked the average Roman, you know, looking at Jesus up on a cross, crucified by the Romans, and then you were to tell them that, you know, a few hundred years later, this is going to be the, that guy is going to be worshipped by the emperor, and it's going to be the official religion of the entire Roman Empire, I think, what could they do but laugh? Sure. Right. <laughs> what could sure. they do? And I think that we're really in the same sort of situation with Bitcoin that it's while it is going to be disruptive. I think the people who say that it's going to replace the state or replace money are perhaps looking at it wrong because Christianity certainly didn't Agreed. replace the state. Um, it is going to disrupt a lot of paradigms and it. I don't think that it will eliminate the banks, but it is certainly going to change the behavior of the banks. It's going to introduce a lot of new ideas. And and in a way, I think the banks are going to have to rise to meet the challenge that, that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are going to present. They're going to be an alternative for people in, in much the same way that open source software has been. So, you know, you ha- it's not like Linux made um you know mac uh, go away, or apple go away it's not like it made i mean i'm talking to you right now i'm i've got a windows 10 machine here that's what i develop software on so it's not that it made those go away but they certainly had to step up their game and compete in against this new sort of entrant that was decentralized and not controllable and and voluntary and i think that that's what bitcoin represents for money it's open source money so you're gonna, so you get rapid innovation. You get people who don't have to, uh, you know, go through any licensing or any of this. This is what the internet did as well. Um, and so, you know, the internet didn't eliminate the phone companies. It, it's the phone companies are still around. They changed in terms of what they they deliver. Um, you know, the cable companies are still around. Even well, I though I would
0: even say that the primary reason you buy a phone today is to use the internet.
1: Agreed. Right. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. It's an internet, an internet device. Yeah. But, but AT&T is still around in a company. Absolutely. Still a powerful company, right? So, you know, I think that it's important for people to look at it that way. And the great thing about right now is that we're in a time where even if, even if you're not getting down into the technical nitty gritty, what you're really doing when you go and you buy cryptocurrency, even if you're speculating, what you're speculating on, and I look, Daniel Krawitz, who I really, really like, I've always liked his writing, and I love his content, uh, one of the best really philosophers in the space, says that what you're doing is you're, you're basically making a bet on the future productivity of a, of a given economy. So when you buy Bitcoin, you're making a bet on the future productivity of the Bitcoin economy. And there's kind of a, a feedback loop between that, because as the price goes up, People who had, who made profits, who, who got a nice return on their investment are looking to invest that in businesses that are going to increase that even more. Mm -hmm. And so then they're going to actually be paying their Bitcoin to the people who will take it, developers like myself, who will then increase the value of the economy and, you know, Mm -hmm. rinse and repeat. So I, I think that, I think that's, that's still going. I think that we, are in a very interesting place right now, where we're going to try to figure out these next steps, like the things we've been talking about with SLP and whatnot. And uh, right around the corner are some some major disruptions, which will only be increased if we do go into this recession that everybody's uh, predicting that we're going to have in the next, you know, eighteen to twenty four months. If that happens, I think it's only going to be uh, sped up. But I look at this as a multi generational project. Absolutely. I, you know, money is old and we've got to look at it on these long time horizons. The, the time for making these crazy 10x gains is probably over. And now it's sitting back and saying, okay, what does this mean for me and for my children and for my grandchildren? And how can I, you know, make some moves now that they will be able to benefit from?
0: So part of the way I look at that is. Tyrants give up power when it's easier to do so than to keep it, right? Mm-hmm. When it's just better mm-hmm. for them to do it. So, like, one of the things I saw recently with uh, the Orange Man's administration is they're clamping down on wire transfers to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going, how do you even think that works? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this day and age, how? Like, so, now, I can see a person that, let's say, is sending money back to Mexico, right? Right. Because they're working their ass off, and they're, they're a horrible person stealing our jobs, but what they're doing is sending $9 out of every 10 back to support their family. Right. And then you put down clamps on Western Union or whatever. You're going to pay for the wall or whatever the orange band says. And this guy just goes, you know what? Now it's time to learn about Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Absolutely. I mean, like, so one of the fundamentals of humans, and this is whenever we talk about unschooling, homeschooling, people are like, well, how will people learn this? How will they learn that? Humans learn what they need to know when they need to know it. That's right. So if you create a situation, like how many people in the United States knew how to make moonshine before Prohibition, and how many knew five years after? Great point. Right? So you constrict something, and there is a solution, and a lot of people are like, I don't care about this crypto thing, whatever. What? You won't let me send money to my uncle in Mexico? Mm -hmm. My buddy said I can do that with Bitcoin. Let me go talk to him. Mm -hmm. And so – The great, And I think that as you see recessions coming and all this flux in global attempt at control, the the number one way nation states control people is with money. That's how Mm -hmm. they do it. And the more they put capital controls in place, the more appealing not using that look. So it's not, like you said, they're not going to go away. They're not going to quit. They're not going to be like, okay, guys, we give up. You can have everything. That's fine. But they may have to change what they're doing. Because you're talking about a black market, gray market, you literally can't do anything. I think it was you that said, I heard for the first time say on my show, was there has never been an arms race with the state that was directly technology. And yeah. the state can't win that arms race because yeah. there's too many people in too many places all at one time. So, you know, they can build more tanks, they can build more guns, they can build more bombs than any private citizen can build but they can't write more lines of code than all of the people can write. They can't
1: do well, it. Well, that's right. That's right. And they don't even they're not even going to be able to attract the best talent at writing code yeah. because they they just simply can't they can't provide the the perks and not only that, most of the great coders, and particularly in this space, are already anti-state. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so they've got that problem too.
0: <laughs> We'd like to recruit all the best anarchists to help further the goals of the state. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you came to me and said we want you to be the lead headhunter in that, we'll pay you a really good bounty. Yeah, I think I'm gonna right. keep podcasting. That doesn't seem right. very profitable. I yeah, you know, <laughs> like I don't I don't think that's gonna work. Uh, right. So yeah, I think that that's kind of it's it's more like use the word disruption. I'm very fond of that word. I think lots of technology are gonna be very disrupting over the next 50 years. I'm excited to probably be around to see most of it for the next 50 years, and uh, I think crypto is gonna be a huge part of that. Um, let's talk about just a little bit about, like, we've talked about the fact that the ICOs did their thing. I think that, that day has come and gone. Mm-hmm. That's There will be more like you're talking about where it's a direct buy-in. And instead of suckering 10,000 people into buying tokens, you're going to find 100 people that really believe in a project and back it. Right. So that's going to be a thing. But I think, like, there's a ton of stuff that's still being exchanged, being used that's out there that are, you know, they, have, they made it through the bloodbath. They're still mm-hmm. there. You can still use them. You can still buy them. They're not worth zero. But I don't think we're done yet. Like, the bloodletting is not over. We don't need 8,000 cryptocurrencies. No. What do you see as, like, the ones that you really think are going to make it long term? And what are maybe a few that you think, like, they're just going to die? They're, they're still hanging on, but there's just no real reason. So
1: we're going to start to see this shake out. Probably it's, it'll probably take three to four years, maybe even five for this to shake out. But I think that what we're starting to see is you, you have either your utility tokens on one side or your essentially cash tokens on the other side. Okay. And, and it's, it's, it's more about focus than anything else. It's about where are, where is the, where are the heads of the, the thought leaders and the evangelists. And so you have the uh, tokens that are primarily where people are like, it's cash. Now, the unfortunate part about this is that the thought leaders in BTC have decided that they're going to do a whole other thing. So mm. Bitcoin, they've decided they're going to do a whole other thing. They're going to do this digital gold store of value idea. So they're kind of like all by themselves, which is Fine, And I don't know if that will last forever, but that's going nowhere. They've got first mover advantage. They've got a lot of people holding it. For institutions, that kind of makes sense. Over the next five years, I think they're going to hold, but I don't think that they're going to have major price gains. I actually don't think there's going to be a whole lot of, of price gains throughout the market. But as you say, you're going to see a lot of a lot of these things sort of go by the wayside. So I think – You've basically got two things. I think you've got some coins that said, well, we're going to be this very kind of specific thing. Like I, I'm thinking IOTA as an example um, where it's like, well, we're going to do Internet of Things. That's going to be our thing. I think that all of those – and again, this is – or for the first time, this is not financial advice right here. This is just my opinion. Um, I think you're going to see those coins just start to steadily vanish. Um, then you have coins that are more focused on – being cash and like exclusively cash, so coins like dash um, nano smart cash I think that and that are not necessarily like privacy coins. I think that you're gonna see those coins g- diminish a bit uh just because what's gonna happen with some like this it's one of the reasons why I like bitcoin cash is because and and to a degree like bitcoin sv as well uh is. That while it's like, okay, let's maintain the cash function, but let's push the boundaries of what can this do. Let's try to figure out like what – how far can this thing that we have go? And then, you know, you've got your EOS, your Ethereum. Those are going to compete for these more complex smart contract world computer ideas, this this more decentralized – uh cuz those are those are very much more Swiss army knives so where you can do a lot more you're you're much more constrained in in bitcoin but i think that there what's going to happen is we're going to see a killer app we haven't seen a killer app really happen yet and my own bet on this and it's one of the reasons why i like have thrown in so heavily with bitcoin cash is that i think what it's going to be is um is escrow de- decentralized escrow with oracles? Mm-hmm. So basically, money goes into an address and then there's spending constraints on that address. Whether it's, a, it's, there's a, a, a contract that's being built on BCH right now that's being worked on a project called Last Will, which has, which is very interesting. It's basically like a, a dead man switch for inheritance. Okay. So. It's really really cool, uh, and if people want to go look it up, they could probably just type in "last will and Bitcoin Cash" or BCH online. That basically what you do is you set some time period, you put money into this is basically your will, you put money into this address, and uh, you know you can be filling it up over time. You can always add more money, and then what you have to do is you basically have to um, communicate that you're alive. You have to send a sign of life okay. by, by signing a transaction. Let's say every three months. Okay. And if you don't do that, then your inheritor can spend the money. It can be spent. So it's, it's, it's these sorts of really interesting ideas, but then you get into very simple things like sports betting. So I just wrote a, a library that enables that and we did a, a bet. Actually, it was, uh, it was Marlins. What, what was the game? Marlins versus uh San Diego Padres. Okay. Uh, a couple of months ago and we actually did a bet fully on-chain uh with this contract and with an oracle who was basically like, you know, saying who won and signing a transaction. And so I'm working on that Put as well with the bookie ago. out of work. Basically, yes. Basically, yes. So ESPN could become the bookie and actually get without ever taking money from anybody or even knowing who was betting but still get a little piece of the action as a vig uh, as the oracle that was putting it out. So these these are the things that I think one of these is going to be a killer app. Like one of these is going to be the equivalent of social social media. I also think in-game currencies. If people are looking and you start to see, okay, who's doing something with video games? Like which currencies are being used as the in-game currencies of a video game? So instead of World of Warcraft gold, it's actually Bitcoin cash. Mm. Which you could then go after earning in World of Warcraft and immediately spend it because it's just it's right there in your wallet. So when you start to see those things, those are going to be the things that's going to be like, okay, everybody will just go to that. Um, And that could be on EOS. That could be on um, Ethereum. Could be on Bitcoin cash. It's probably not going to be on the coins that have really heavily pushed towards just cash function and making the cash function really good Mm -hmm. uh, like Dash. Just because they, it's just something they haven't been working on, uh, while these other chains have. So, or and you know, Bitcoin SV is banking on the idea of storing things on on chain. I'm not convinced by that yet, but there's a lot of people over there working on it, and they have a, a pretty uh, dedicated evangelist sort of group of people. And so, if they if they can find a killer app, perhaps it will be them. I, I'm not betting on them, but I, I I do think that that's really how it's going to end up shaking out probably in the next five years. Those are going to be the various paths and you're going to have one or two winners that are going to come out of all of those. And as far as it goes for BTC, who the hell knows? Like, I don't, I don't believe in this store of value idea. I believe that it's a network and you know, your permaculturalists will, in the audience will, will, I think agree with this, that it's like, The network the system has to be used. There's no value in it if there if the inputs and outputs aren't constantly moving through it, right? That's where the value of a network comes from. That's how a network grows. That's how the edges expand. Is that there's inputs and outputs. It's no good to be like, ah, I built this permaculture system now. No inputs, no outputs, no sun. Let's cover it up. You know what I mean? Don't let the bug don't let the bugs move. Don't let anything fly around. It's not going to live for very long. So I don't really believe in the store of value idea.
0: I think that when people say Bitcoin is gold, like digital gold, I think it depends on what they mean as to whether they're accurate or insane. If they (laughs) mean it actually is digital gold, as in like it's a gold, it's a representation of a gold bar online, even metaphorically, like it has that intrinsic value there. No. If they mean for now, it is how people are treating it, then I think it's an apt analogy. I just wonder how many people say that actually mean that. In other words, institutions are treating it that way, and I think what may give it longevity is I do think eventually institutional money will truly open up into it, and what I mean is grandpa will be able to buy Bitcoin in his IRA. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about literally trillions of dollars become capable of making purchases of Bitcoin with a very limited supply because a shitload of what was you know, minted, produced, mined, however you want to call it, is gone. It's lost. No one knows where it is. Yes. Maybe, maybe Craig will move some, but I don't think that will happen anytime <laughs> no. soon. Right? Um, but, uh, you know, like, so I think that maybe it has a lot more longevity than than you feel optimistically right now, but I don't think it's from utility. Um, though, if all it gets used for is, like, this, if you compare it to gold, there actually is an apt analogy, and that is, the guy that has $50,000 worth of gold in a, in a box in his house somewhere, a floor safe, if he's smart, doesn't spend it very easily. Right. He doesn't care how well, how quick it could transfer because if he does, it's going to be a big purchase, and it's going to take a while anyway. Yes. No one goes in their safe, opens it up, and goes, let me break off a little tiny piece of my gold coin with my dike pliers and go buy Starbucks.
1: Right. Right? So <laughs> right.
0: I think it's being used like gold. That doesn't mean it's a good idea because every currency in the world, you remove the confidence from it, it's worth nothing. Gold is worth yeah. shit if you really think about it, Vin. Like So sure. you can make some really cool jewelry and cups and chalices out of it and what have you. From a standpoint of a metal, it's like a a somewhat benign but highly toxic heavy metal. If you eat enough of it, you'll die. Sure. Right? like it, it doesn't keep you alive. Like At least silver we can use it to cure wounds and, 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 and the antibiotic and antiseptic. septic. There's a few electrical things gold can do, but gold is worth money because people decided right. that we're going to worship it in some sort of weird, twisted way. In the end, it's just metal. It doesn't actually do much. There's a lot of metal that does a lot more of, that's useful. But as long as people believe in gold... Gold is a store of value, as long as people believe in a cryptocurrency, as long as people believe in the Benjamins, right? right? But you take away confidence, it's done. And all money or representations of money or means of exchange within an economy, they only draw their value from the economy they circulate in. And that's where I agree with you, where Bitcoin's big weakness is right now. The primary thing done with Bitcoin is it's bought and held. Yes. Well,
1: so... so I, I totally agree with you on the um, the sort of analogy of gold and how it 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 can be a useful analogy if we're talking about like abstracting out the things that makes gold valuable and looking at it that way. The problem is that within the sp- the thought leader space of uh, BTC, there they've they've been recently moved by a book called The Bitcoin Standard by a gentleman named Safedine Amus, who. uh in his book is referring to Bitcoin as, oh. yes, gold in the way that you're saying is like crazy. Mm-hmm. And they have actually adopted that meme and okay. they have adopted that book. And, um, you know, the, the, the problem with that particular idea or meme is that as you're talking about the guy who's got gold and he's storing that gold – He's doing that because – and he's got some level of confidence because he's like, well, you know, it's been thousands of years that sure. there's been gold, demand for gold. So what are really the chances that the demand for gold is going to completely – it doesn't look like it's going to vanish completely. I mean this could be here for the next 50 years. What's 50 out of a 1,000? But Bitcoin is only 10 years old. So to treat it like it's some sort of you know, multi-millennia asset <laughs> that has adorned the heads of kings – and that uh, has had wars launched for it and the continents conquered on it for you know in order to acquire it is a little bit silly and it's a little bit arrogant really to talk about a a 10 year old open source uh cryptography project that honestly i can't really go down to the grocery store and and use it as money yet so i th- so for me that's that's where I think it's it's a little arrogant to uh, and a little soon to call it that. Could it perhaps be that a thousand years from now? Could we look back? Perhaps. But I think uh, for right now, it's best to be looked at as a value transfer network, and it's best to be uh, looked at as its value being in using it for some of these really cool applications that we've talked about uh, throughout our conversation today. And that's where I'm at. That's where my head is at with it.
0: See, and I think its big weakness is the fact that we have all these currencies to talk about. So remember the alchemists, right? And one of the mm-hmm. things that the mm-hmm. alchemists wanted to do is figure out how to turn lead into gold. Yes. Well, you want to make another Bitcoin? Can you cut and right. paste? Right. right. Exactly. Like that is exactly. that is the intrinsic weakness, right? That <laughs> yes. it, it, well, you want it to do something different? Let's add some code to it. Oh, you don't want to do that? We'll do a hard fork or right. we'll do our own thing and we'll make that thing. And I think that is the long term weakness, but I do think it'll be the first thing institutionalized. Sure. And so the reason I think it is a good speculative play, and and I'm with you, except I don't gamble anyway, but the category of money is would you put it on the craps table?
1: Yes, exactly. Take some sure. of your
0: craps table money and hold sure. on to it. I think if they if they do open up a true like Bitcoin ETF, like you'll see some stu- and when it happens, take your effing profits, man. Right, sure. like, yeah, absolutely. It's got, like, could it stay sure, sell half of it, right? Like, sure. Do so, like, take some of the money off the table at that point. But I think that is that is the best chance for a big, huge run for Bitcoin. But everybody's been waiting for it, right. you know. And they can keep talking right. about the having all they want. Well, yeah, you gotta, you know, this is to me. There's like a tiny piece of speculative, and the more important thing, and I think this is where you and I agree heavily, is this isn't about buying a Lamborghini and going to the moon. Right. This is about the liberation of humanity from the financial systems of the state. Agreed. And and that's what I think most people that come into cryptocurrency, they don't come in with that viewpoint. And it's up to us to show them how that works.
1: 100%, man. I couldn't agree more.
0: So, hey, man, I've enjoyed having you on today. Um, You got anything else going on? I know you got Cointext. I've got your – let me make sure I got everything. I got all your social media in the show notes. I've got uh, Cointext.o in the show notes. Uh, Anything else you got going on you want people to know about right now?
1: I mean, I'm just uh, if people want to follow me at at @vinarmani, I'm currently working on my third book uh, right now. It's called Render unto Caesar. It's about it's about a lot of these ideas that we've been talking about, and um, you know, so I'm exploring some of these concepts and uh, you know, trying to go back from first principles, and that should be out uh, relatively soon. But yeah, man, I'm just I'm I'm on the grind, just building at this point. But, yeah, when that book comes out, I will, uh, you know, that's that's when I will have a lot more to share with people and, and hopefully, uh, you know, people to read it and, and get some commentary and hopefully they'll enjoy it as much as they did the last one. So, and when yeah, you at that, Vin you Armani on Twitter.
0: Oh, at Vin Armani on Twitter. Yes. Like, not your website. Your website. Is
1: you can pretty do VinArmani.com. Sure. Okay. I mean, well, it's 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 all there. If people want to buy my, my previous books as well, uh, they're there and check out all my previous podcasts and everything. It's all there.
0: Great. I'm going to make sure right now, this second, that we have a link to that site, too, because I forgot about that. So awesome. If you're listening in the car or whatever, guys, you don't have to worry about writing anything down. Just go by today. Look up episode 2507 on a palidrome day with Vin Armani, and uh, you can find the links to everything, including things about Simple Ledger Protocol and Spice Token and all of Vin's cool stuff. Vin, dude, thanks for being with us today. I know your time is valuable. Uh, giving us a little over an hour of I really appreciate it. Thanks as always, Jack. Always a great pleasure to have Vin on the show, man. I could, I could honestly have a conversation with Vin easily once a month as a segment if he had the time and, and what have you to do it. Because I just think that we can talk about things that I can't really get that same kind of sounding board off of anybody else in the industry. Uh, and when I say that, I mean crypto. I mean liberty. Uh, I mean, covering mainstream media. I mean, all of it, man. Vin really is like a long lost brother. Uh, I am so grateful that like three years ago now that his folks reached out to me and asked me to be on his show, even though, again, when I first found out who the guy was, uh, this whole reality TV show thing, I was like, what have I done? And what I did was a really good decision. So we'll try to get Vin back on for you, you know, uh, frequently, because really, I think it's great to hear from him. With that, let me remind you, if you like the show and the work that we do, there's there's two big ways you can support us. One is become a member. If you become a member of this show, what's going to happen is you're going to get a private login to a private website. And you're going to log into that website, and you're going to get a whole bunch of content you can't get anywhere else for free, including ebooks and et cetera. I mean, it's a couple hundred dollars worth of e-books the day you sign up. You're going to get access to every single episode of TSP ever produced in um, in zip files 24 units each so you can have the entire library if you want it uh, downloadable on top of that you're going to get discounts to over 80 companies and out of those 80 companies I promise you there's some uh, stuff that you're already going to buy in the next year and if you use those discounts alone just what you were already going to buy you will end up getting your money back that's how I designed it I designed it to actually be no true cost in fact I heard from somebody yesterday that said this year, and we're only in September, so there is another quarter and a half of the year, quarter and a month, quarter and a half a month of the year to go right now, um, that said that this year alone, they've made over $500 in discounts. And I don't know why you would ever cancel a $50 membership that puts 500 bucks a year back in your pocket. I don't know why you would cancel a $50 membership that put $51 in your pocket, because it just doesn't make any sense not to take the discounts at that point, right? So even if you decide you hate me, maybe my discount program is worth having. Check it out, thesurvivalpodcast.com forward slash members. Uh, next up is a really painless way. Like, I mean, You're going to spend the money anyway totally in this scenario, and that is just do your online shopping at tspaz.com. Whenever you go to tspaz.com, you can see all the product reviews that I've done of products on Amazon. But as long as you start there, you help us no matter what you buy now here 's what i 've got for you today on my item of the day. Every day I review a product that I personally use and I personally buy and i 've spent my money on it, I would spend it again or I will not recommend it to you. This one i 've brought around a lot of times, but i 'm going to keep bringing it around because it is the best best item I have found for you, you know eat what you store and store where you eat to solve a common prepper problem. And a common prepper problem is how do I have long-term, storable, high-quality protein and fat without having to buy really expensive stuff in number 10 cans that's freeze-dried that really doesn't have the fat going on? How do I do that? How about sardines? And I know what you're thinking. Sardines stink, and sardines aren't good. Some sardines are crap. And if it comes in mustard sauce or tomato sauce, it's definitely crap. These are Matisse Gallego sardines. I am a sardine connoisseur. There is such a thing, I promise you. And I have researched the best tinned sardine that you can get your hands on. It is Matisse Gallego. They come from the waters off the northern coast of Portugal and Spain. The ingredients are sardine, salt, and olive oil. That is it. There is not another damn thing in there, and there shouldn't be. That's what you should always look. There's some other good sardines out there. These are the best i found. But all the good ones, it's either sardine, salt, and water, or sardine, salt, and olive oil. And that's it. If there's anything else, it's crap. Don't buy it. And then where those little fish come from is important. Sardines are low on the food chain. That means they have very low occurrences of things like mercury in them, which larger predator fish, we have to limit our meals because they have uh, higher amounts of toxic things like mercury in them because they bioaccumulate over time. You want to check these things out. You want to add them to your your your, your, your shelf and your pantry, and then you can use them on a daily basis, man. I, I use these things in salads. I make lettuce wraps with them. I just eat them straight out of the can. I put them on flax crackers. They are great for you guys on the paleo, uh, low-carb lifestyle. Every can has 228 calories and 130 in high-quality fats. 130 of those 228 calories are in some of the highest quality fats you can get. The fish oil itself that people take as supplements, and the olive oil that is high-quality European olive oil, and 98 from one of the best sources of protein on the planet. I would submit to you that if you look at these by the 12-pack, there is not a better high-fat, high-protein, long-term storable that you can buy for the money that exists in the world that also tastes this good. They are still sardines. If you absolutely despise everything about sardines, you probably won't like these. If you have any ability to eat sardines with happiness at all, these will be the best you've ever eaten. They will change your outlook on sardines. My little play, I love to eat them. My favorite way, lettuce leaf, one sardine, avocado mash, roasted hemp seeds. Roll that up. It'll blow you away. If you want to add a little salt, you can do that as well. It's just fantastic. And how long do they last? The, the pack I just got is good until the t- t- 2024. Yeah. And you know that the date on a, a package is like Best Buy, and it actually is good for longer than that. Long-term, storable, excellent source of Omega-3s. you got to try them. you just got to try them. With that, we're ready to wrap things up. Let me uh, just end here uh, with our song of the day. Song of the day is Leave On by Elton John. Leave On is a song, in Elton's own words... It's about a guy that just gets tired of doing the same old thing every day, drawing these cartoon balloons, which could mean a lot of different things. Most of Bernie Tompins writing and Elton's music that go together, you could have multiple interpretations. It's part of the genius of it. This is an amazing song, though, and I would submit this to you. While Bernie Tompins writes amazing lyrics, and this, this song is an example of that, you give this song to anybody else, it would have never been the hit that it was. Elton was just... Is just something kind of special in the world of music. Pretty amazing stuff. Not a huge lesson in this other than what Elton said about this in an interview was he wants to go do something else, but he can't because it's family tradition. And I I know so many people feel that way, but in the end I think we got to do things to take care of the people we love. And our family and things like that, but we also have to do the things that are right for us. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.